When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What's up? Welcome to episode number 396 of On the Corner, the official PitchList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the uh, well-lit Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Yeah, I set up the good stuff for you, Fast. This is good stuff that everyone will see on the Twitch stream in the mornings from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. every single weekday morning. Come on by. It's free. I literally just answer all your questions as I do my rankings and video and podcast for the day. Just come on by. It's a great time. You remember that game Infamous where you like have the electric powers and stuff on PlayStation? Yes. That game? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It looks like you look like the room looks like, and I mean that in the best way, like the set of Infamous. It's, it's kind of oh, nice. Yeah. I really dig it. Yeah. Oh, thank we, you. We've got, a, we've got a lot of really great stuff to talk about today. Um, we're, by the time this podcast is out, we're going to have a new piece of merch out, which Nick and oh, I yeah. are very excited yes. about. It's super cool. Um, yeah. There is a it's for a good new cause ep- as well. So good it's for a great yeah, it's for a cause that Nick and I very much support. Um, there is a new episode of Talking Pitching that came out yes! today, uh, which is very exciting with Tyler Wells. So you, part one, which was very shocking <laughs> to me, very shocking to me. Obviously, you should be checking out the stream every morning with Nick. And then later this week, there's oh, this a, is a tease, guys. Might have a pretty big surprise for you. That's That oh, was Nick's man. idea. I, it was, but I mean, you know. It was it was obvious. It needed to happen. I'm so thrilled about this. I haven't said this, I don't think, to anyone. Yeah. Uh so get ready. Get ready for this. That's all. I'm excited. It's gonna be big. But now we're gonna move into the list, which is what everyone's here for and what they're all excited about. And I'm excited to tell Nick what his category is because I was sitting in traffic driving home, you know, looking at the headlights in front of me. No, it's not gonna be that. It's not gonna be that. And then I saw an older person. What? It's an older person driving a car, and it made me think of today's category for oh, no. for for what the top one hundred, which is activities at a uh, at a senior center, senior center activities. <laughs> you only think today's. of like four. I know, but that's why I can't wait to hear what like number eight is. Right? It's it's very good stuff. Senior center activities. There's obviously the easy layups that you're already thinking of, uh, but I'm I'm excited to hear what the later ones are. So let's dive right in. Um, We're gonna go ahead and jump into tier number one. This is one through seven. Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, Shane McClanahan, Shohei Otani, Kevin Gosman, Luis Castillo, and Zach Wheeler. What's it called, and why is it called that? This is called Visiting Day. Oh, it is okay. the most consistent, happiest, best, reliable part of the senior center. It's when when Visiting Day happens, and everyone's just so happy to see everybody. Okay, that's nice. I, uh, you know, it's not jail, right? It it is a senior center. Um, I think <laughs> Visiting Day. I mean, I'll, ev- I'll be completely honest. Day. When I first came up with Visiting Day, I thought you meant like an old folks' home. 
Not the and not not the like like a convention center is what you're going for, like the rec center. No, I'm going for like an old folks home, like a senior. Yeah, okay, well then I got it. Then I got okay, it. Yeah, okay, the visiting okay, okay. day. Yeah, Why is it okay, surprise? Right. I was like, oh, maybe senior center is like okay. <laughs> I mean rec center <laughs> yes. would be fun too. That rec I, I, center full of look, senior center. You know, um right. Okay. There, you, you know, there's going to be you, you address it in the notes a little bit, which everyone should be reading. There's kind of a formatting change, which is which is cool. But you should probably address, you know, your your thinking on Garrett Cole, who didn't have the best to start week this past week. Um, so but here he is still at number one with Spencer Strider nipping at his heels. You mentioned it in the notes a little bit, but I want to give you the opportunity to, to tell the people why Garrett Cole is still your number one on the list. Hey, I get it. You know, a lot of people are upset. They're like, hey, Garrett Cole does not belong to be here. It should be Spencer Strider. It all makes sense. I literally just wanted one more week. I didn't want to freak out so hard on the the fly balls going up. You know, there was a great article on Baseball America, I believe, uh, on no, Baseball Perspectives, I apologize, um, about that home run rate going up. I understand the concerns. Just one more week. That's all I ask. Just wait one more week. And if it's still a problem, then yeah, Garrett Cole will not be number one. It'll be Spencer Strider. But at the same time, like we're just going over history here with Garrett Cole of him being so consistent when it comes to strikeouts, great ratios, win potential, all of that. He is such a rock. He has been the rock of fantasy uh, starting pitching for a while now. It's hard to really dethrone him unless we really think, okay, there is a massive issue at play. Mm. Um, Spencer Strider, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, like you said, to kind of see him number one. It, it, I was having some conversations, uh, A, with, with Eno and B, with some people over at Driveline uh, talking about Stuff Plus and uh, Driveline's version of Stuff Plus. Spencer Strider has a 150 Stuff Plus on his four-seamer, which is the highest in baseball, with the second highest being in the 120s. But his Stuff Plus to, at Driveline is over 200 which cracks what? me up. Yeah, it's like over 200. Uh, I also want to give you the opportunity to talk about, you know, Zach Allen. We'll talk about him in a moment as he falls out of this tier, going out of tier two, falling three. But Zach Wheeler jumps up to to number seven. Um, if I recall correctly, the most recent start, not a heck of a lot of Ks, right? What are you uh, talking about? Was it the start before then? I was thinking about a yes. plus pitch You're podcast about, that I listened there to. Are two, yeah, of course, because fast, I got to say, guys, huge props. And he listens to the plus pitch podcast every day. Now, he I even do. tells me, hey, it's not not there because it wasn't on the main feed. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes I don't. I accidentally don't hit the save button. But right. Last start uh, before this one was Arizona. Arizona. Six innings, yeah. 300 runs, eight hits, one walk, three Ks. Kind of disappointing. But boy, was this a good one against Atlanta. Eight innings, zero runs, 12 strikeouts, 13 whiffs. On that four-seamer. Honestly, I, the way I've been seeing Zach Wheeler before this start, I called him a buy low because I didn't mm-hmm. really think it was a 420 ERA, 120 whip. I, it just didn't seem right to me based on him also being fantastic at hard contact reduction. Just 22% hard contact, 18th best in the, ma- in the majors at uh, 15% swing strike rate. 65 innings is 17th best. He's that workhorse still, and I think the ERA and whip are just going to get better as he has a 28% strikeout rate still. Zach Wheeler is pretty much the same guy. And yes, there is that worry about the health. The health hasn't been there an issue for two months now. So I think at this point, we can kind of push that aside with four months to go with everybody. I mean, Urias got hurt and Freed got hurt and everyone's getting hurt regardless. I think any extra ding we put on Wheeler isn't really fair at this point. So I brought him into tier one. You also just have to, man, of his last seven starts, all of them minus one 
over a hundred pitches. Um, they let him go, right? I mean, the, the the eight innings against Atlanta with 106 pitches, you know, 108, 101, 107. Uh, he's going deep into games, and they're letting him go deep into games, which is kind of nice to see. Uh, let's move on to tier two, though. Uh, eight through 13, Zach Gallen, Christian Javier, Joe Ryan, Max Scherzer jumps up seven to 11. Corbin Burns falls to 12, and Clayton Kershaw at 13. What's it called, and why is it called that? <laughs> this uh, This is called... The luau. Hmm. Uh, because sometimes, you know, this is actually the thing that people root for. This is the one that's like the the most enjoyable night. It can get crazy. It can get amazing. But hmm. you know what? Someone might break it back. Yeah, I was going to say, how many broken hips are in this tier? <laughs> uh, I guess with Scherzer and Kershaw, it's kind of uh, appropriate here. Scherzer is, our, Scherzer is our largest riser, so I want you to hit on him a little bit. And then also, obviously, as I mentioned, I want you to hit on Zach Gallen, who fell three. What was the decision to not only bring him down three, but to put him in the lower tier? Yeah, Zach Gallen just has not had his fastball as of late. Uh, the last two starts have been really rough. We have a four-walk game uh, with just two strikeouts. And the previous one, uh, eight called strikes, zero whiffs. It's not really the Zach Gallon that we know with that four-seamer. Uh, he's been all over the place with the command. When we think about Zach Gallon being fantastic, it's about actually low four-seamers with curveballs and changeups underneath that. It's been interesting to kind of see the cutter kind of come in a little bit more. But his fastball command has not been good lately. I don't think that's going to stick around. But I also do need to recognize that, yeah, he is not as sturdy in this way with just 9.1 innings over his last two starts combined. And that's yeah. not fun. It gets Pittsburgh and the Phillies. And he doesn't have the same track record that I've given uh, some more, a longer leash for. So I had to knock him down just a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Max Scherzer, though, who rises up seven. Uh, what's the mentality there? Putting him at number 11. Max Scherzer's just got 20 whiffs in cores. Uh, I think what we've seen over the past few starts is that Zach Wheeler is as good as we could hope for. He looks exactly like an ace. Actually, Five of his last six starts have come with zero or one earned runs. And keep in mind, there were some that were limited there. There was a 47-pitch game. Uh, it was a five-inning start, and a 3.1 was the bad one against Detroit with six earned runs uh, before he went on the IL. But Scherzer has come back two earned runs in three games, including that core start, which is fantastic to see. And it feels like this is the Max Scherzer that you wanted. Again, health is the reason why it's, he's not higher up on this. I felt like he deserved the aces going to ace label while the other two guys here, Corbin Burns and Kling Kershaw, haven't really been at their, the top of their game. Kershaw, I understand um, his mother passed away, unfortunately, very sad. And I can imagine that messing him up the last week or so. I hope that he's going to do better after that and get back on track. Well, Corbin Burns, as we all know, isn't quite that Corbin Burns right now. Um, so I figured Scherzer at this point is a better bet moving forward. All right, let's move. Anyone else in this chair you want to hit before we move oh, on? Oh, look at three? you. A Christian Javier has not had the strikeouts last three games. And I mm -hmm. correlate that straight with his and causation too. his slider strike rate being way down under 60%. Each of those, some of those are under 50%. When Christian Javier does not have a slider in the zone, it means that his fastball isn't going to be in one, two, oh, two counts. It's going to be mm. in two, two, three, two, where guys are more reluctant to go and chase that high heater. And it's not going to be as productive of a start. So that slider is everything with Christian Javier. I think it's going to come back, though. I'm not going to lower it down too much. He's had these moments before, but that is why the strikeout rate is low. I don't think that's going to stick around. 
Tier 3 here, 14 through 21, starting with Sandy Alcantara, followed by Tyler Glasnow, who jumps up 8, then Justin Verlander, Pablo Lopez, Aaron Nola, Framber Valdez, Logan Gilbert, and Chris Sale at 21. What's it called and why is it called that? This, to me, is uh, the senior center in, like, 50 years or 40 years when all of us are adults and we're playing video games together. Mm. Like, uh, a lot of these guys, we used to be so good at this video game. We're not anymore. We're not. So we're not aces at it, but we're still having a blast. <laughs> okay. Let's start with Tyler Glasnow, who makes his debut uh, against the Dodgers this week. He goes four and a third, 83 pitches. You know, kind of ex- we expected to not see the, the longest leash for him. Uh, one walk and eight Ks. I mean, the velocities were kind of there, right? I mean, maybe sitting a, a tick relatively low on the four-seamer, but nothing to be too scared about. Like something that probably just says, all right, let's shake off the cobwebs a little bit. Again, precision not perfect. The four seamers were quite nice, right? I mean, does a really good job elevating them. The sliders does a relatively good job, you know, dropping them out of the zone with a few missed here and there, but it doesn't matter. He picks up 17 whiffs on the day and just four and a third inning. Are you just, you know, what was it about this one start that had you had you thinking, okay, he, he's back and I believe in him. Oh man. Oh, Glasnow looked so, so good. He had six whiffs in the four seamer, five on the slider, six on the curveball, curveball and slider each had a 40% or higher CSW. 36 on on the fastball. It was at 96.5. That's awesome. He got the slider and curveball down for the most part. This is Tyler Glasnow. Now, the the Dodgers got to him for 300 runs, so it goes. But that wasn't for a product of not being Tyler Glasnow. That's just, you know, baseball sometimes. So I really dug this. I love to see a 72% fastball strike rate. I love seeing a 65% curveball strike rate. And even 59 on the slider is very good with that 48% CSW. Tyler Glasnow is very much back. It's really just about the health at this point. Yeah, I'm excited to see him back. I mean, I was just thinking about how, uh, and I was going to wait a couple of days to kind of tweet about this, and this is a little bit tangential, but like you lose Rasmussen, you lose Springs, and you think, man, okay, maybe they're finally going to take a little bit of a dip in the standings and the Rays just look better than ever. I'm not going to lie, there's not a lot of people that I want to hit upon in this tier, but that's because the next tier is so chock-a-block with juicy names that I want to be able to get to it. But before we do, are there any other names in this tier that you want to hit upon? Well, I mean, Justin Verlander isn't looking like an ace. I had to remove his AGA label. Um, The slider is just not good. Uh, I talked about it with uh, the post and SNY being like Justin Verlander. I'm sorry, Mets fans, but like if he doesn't have a slider, which is about a 14% swing strike rate right now, 13, that used to be in its prime, like a 25% swing strike rate. If that's not doing that thing, then the fastball isn't going to save him. Mm. So that's a huge, huge deal where I'm going to be monitoring that in future starts. I mean, I don't want to, I feel weird removing it after cores, but it's just been a constant theme. And we saw Scherzer do well in cores. What the heck, Verlander? Sure. Uh, Sandy Alcantara hopefully can get up into that ace is going to ace tier once again I think he will that's why he's at the top of it and Chris Sale has a 291 ERA a .90 whip and a 27% strikeout rate across his last seven starts you would know that if you read the notes mm. uh, which I'm sure you did uh, so good stuff there it feels like it's inevitable that Chris Sale is going to get the ace is going to ace and, and all of these really should have the label I mean maybe not Framber Valdez if he doesn't have the cutter that got me so excited but I still really like him. And Logan Gilbert could get it if he keeps that splitter doing what it's doing. 
Let's move on to the next tier then. This is tier four. We're going to start with Logan Webb at 22, who jumps up five. Joe Musgrove, who jumps six to 23. Nathan Eovaldi at 24, followed by George Kirby, Hugh Darvish, Chris Bassett, Luis Severino at 28, Hunter Brown at 29, and finally Freddie Peralta drops six to 30. What's it called and why is it called that? You know what this one is. You've been waiting for it. It's bingo night. Bingo, man. That's what I thought. I thought it was going to be the lead one. Well, no, this is the stable one. This is the tried and true, right? Like this is the, it's not the most exciting, greatest. You know, everyone wants visiting day. That's the best Mm. one. But bingo's okay. All right. We got bingo night. And these are a lot of your, uh, your hollies. What I call essentially, you're not aces, but you do have better than like a 20% striker, right? And you're dependable. That's a holly to me, a step up above a Toby. And you also have those, like, it's like you Darvish. It, it, I feel like the pitcher we talked about the most on nearly 400 on the corner podcast <laughs> is you Darvish. Am I wrong yeah. about? No, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. If there was a one of those word clouds uh, that can, you know was every single, it would be the word episode. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It really would. It really would. Um, but uh, with Darvish, I think really at the end of the day, I've called him this for a while. It's the premium cherry bomb where you start him regardless of opponent. He throws a lot of pitches inside the zone, but he doesn't command it. He doesn't overwhelm like surgically dissecting in that bat and saying, cool, I'm going to put a cutter over here, then a slider over there, then a split over here, then that. It's like he goes by pitch type and hope it works. And I I want to believe that Darvish has the ability to actually put pitches where he wants to. But I watch these games and it's not this, it's just not this overwhelming command guy. Now, the stuff we all know is ridiculous. He throws all these. I mean, he threw nine pitches in his last start, Darvish, which is insane. Nine types. Yeah. Got destroyed by the Yankees trying to find something. But like, it's not that's not the problem. You have the things. It's just about the approach and execution. And I don't ever think that Darvish is going to be that. So here he is at 26. Yeah, it's, you know, that, that's that, it's that kind of guy. So that's a holly to me now. It's the same thing. We, you know, we, we've talked about ad nauseum, which is like, when you have a guy who is a tinker as much as he is, there's just always going to be a level of frustration because, you know, I think one of the things that we've come to learn, or I don't want to speak for you, one of the things that at least I've come to learn is like pitchers are naturally going to tinker year over year, right? It just happens, sure. right? And that's what makes this so such a difficult thing because there's so much volatility. They're going to tinker more than, in my mind, hitters are going to tinker. And usually you find a guy who will find something over the course of the season that they're going to settle into, right? Yeah, you know, every once in a while, maybe they'll throw in a change up if they need to, but they're largely going to be four-seam slider, and maybe they'll change it up depending on handedness. But you, Darvish, just we don't know what we're going to get in a start-by-start basis. And like you said, it's a cherry bomb. You can be really great, or there's just going to be starts like this past week that can lose you lose you weeks, right? It's one of the reasons why in, in that study we did, he was one of the more volatile pitchers. But we should, we should talk about uh, Nathan Eovaldi who's at number 24 he jumps up for his last five starts he has a 9-6 ERA with an 85 whip a 23% K rate and a 7% walk rate um, he also has a 305 FIP but also a 219 BABIP has he just beat up on poor teams yes um, except for Atlanta where he did did well he got the quality start seven innings pitch with three earned runs two walks and five K's but other than that it's been the Angels Oakland Pittsburgh and Detroit now the counter to that is always like yeah but you got to you got to beat those teams. You too. say that all the time right you have to right you have to yeah. and he did it he dominated with that said 
is is he a you know considering his his past injury history considering the fact that he's probably not going to have as squeaky clean of a schedule moving forward as he just did is this a sell high for you or are you enjoying the ride I I mean I think it is a sell high but I also think that Ivaldi isn't someone you are going to get at a at a market premium as you would want right mm. uh, two four two ERA as I mentioned one WHIP on the year twenty four point six percent K rate I don't want to say twenty five because it's like right between it's not quite that um, but he still has a lot of hard contact twenty seven percent hard contact rate thus far for Nathan Ivaldi so you look at what he does the splitter actually has been this consistent pitch the last two years for him a twenty percent swing striker for the second straight year but oddly enough 34 percent hard contact uh, splitters are traditionally really low hard contact pitchers so to see actually a 203 woba on it which doesn't sound bad it sounds great that's only 67th percentile for a splitter among starting pitchers it's mm. 182 average is just 62nd percentile is that kind of wild yeah. uh splitters are not supposed to be that kind of pitch but when he throws it as much as he does for strikes, 66% strike rate, that's likely why it's not as good outcomes, but those are still been really good. I think they're going to get a little bit worse because of that amount of hard contact that they do allow at 34%. So on top of that, Eovaldi has improved with his cutter to get more swinging strikes this year at 11% versus the 6% of, of previous seasons. That is 2022. It also increases called strike rate to about 18%. That's the highest he's ever had on it, making uh, the highest CSW. It's at a 29%. So that is a nice, you know, nice inclusion. I remember in 2021, I believe it was, for Nathan Yavoldi, where he introduced this cutter, maybe it was even 2020, where it would come down into the zone just enough from his four-seamer and he had a good tunneling effect on it. But really, at the end of the day, the four-seamer is everything. Right. Mm. And the biggest concern we had last year about Ivaldi was that he was 94 as opposed to 96 on yep. it. And he's at 96 right now on that four seamer. That's great. I do want it to be more like 97, like the old days, but I will take this. This works. He can get outs. He's not going to be consistently going seven innings. I, I, I think that's really the difference maker here because if he's not going seven innings consistently, I mean, he went. Yeah, five, six straight games. No, five straight games of at least seven. And that was the lowest. I mean, he had four of those, at least eight, which is insane. That's not going to continue for Nathan Duvaldi. He's going to get hit a little bit harder. He's not going to have the same strikeout totals. So he's still going to be very good, but he's not going to be this top 15 started as he has been. Speaking of guys who showed a, uh, a nice change in velo, there's one other person in this tier that I want to talk about who did just that, and we're going to get to him right after this break. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. 
So last week we talked a little bit about Luis Severino, who returned against Cincinnati, and this week he had a really nice start against San Diego, six and two thirds, three walks, five Ks, one earned run, two runs overall, and one hit. <clears throat> Excuse me. He sat about ninety-seven in that start against Cincinnati, and we were like, "Okay, good. That's where we want to see you." And guess what? He sat ninety-eight in this most recent start. And what I thought was really interesting too is he maintained his four-seamer shape. Right? He he seemed to be kind of jamming righties up and in with the pitch in that first start against Cincinnati, and showed a, a pretty good amount of consistency in that second start too. And while there weren't really a lot of whiffs, which is a little bit concerning, just six whiffs overall, the slider was effective. It was it picked up a good amount of uh, called strike as well got six called strikes end of the day with a 48 percent csw about 47 excuse me so that's encouraging too i was curious to see if there was going to be a return of that cutter which i think he started to showcase a little bit more hasn't really returned quite yet but he's been doing quite well with that four seam slider are you worried about the just six whiffs after the 12 against cincinnati or you clearly seem pretty excited about him as he jumps up eight to number 28 yeah, I think that Luis Severino is just going to get better and better as we go on. This is what I was saying about Chris Sale. Well, you see this a lot when you have guys that have showed elite ability in the past and they haven't gotten their rhythm back quite yet on the mound to display the skills that they still have. And what's really interesting to me is that so far we've seen success, right? 159 ERA and uh, a .79 whip in these 11 and change innings, but only a 12% swing strike rate on the slider thus far. And I think that's going to improve. It is a high CSW because guys are just... Call, uh, letting it fall into the zone and he does have a high O swing at 47% but how he's using it is not quite the way that we want him to uh, and I think there is another level to hit for Luis Severino with that slider where it's really going to open up and all of a sudden we're going to be start, starting to see instead of five strikeout games we're going to see 8, 9, 10 from him in the near future meanwhile velocity is back 97.3 on that bad boy I love to see that 12% swing strike rate thus far on it. I mean, it's all small samples, so we can't really read too much into it. For example, the uh, the four seam only has 89 thrown. The slider only has 33 of them. And the changeup only 31, which, by the way, 71% strike rate. He's feeling these things right now. And we know that Severino is a legitimate SP2, SP3 when he's cooking. I remember multiple years being in on Luis Severino inside my top 10 or even top 15 starting pitchers for the next season. So Severino has this still in him. And generally you worry about velocity when things come back. He has that. So as long as that slider gets some swing strike rate back, which I think it should, we're in business here. Mm, interesting. Um, all right. Anyone else in this tier that you want to hit upon before moving forward? Uh, I mean, Hunter Brown is doing great things. He's doing the reverse or he's doing the Zach Gallon essentially of called strikes with his four seamer and then a curveball down instead of the changeup. It's a slider for him. Freddie Peralta, I think she get a lot better. I led with him with my defective Peralta. That's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> joke, and I was very proud of it, but then I felt really bad saying that Peralta was defective. Um, but I think he's much better than uh, the numbers have been. Velocity is there, so don't worry about the health here. He's like two ticks up from last year, Freddie Peralta, is, so that's good. And the other guys, I mean, yeah, Logan Webb, maybe that slider is legit. He didn't have it last game, but the changeup was just so good. Maybe it just didn't matter. He didn't really need to use it. So it's a fun tier. I would feel really good with all of these guys, including Chris Bassett, who just had a bad start, and that happens. All right, let's move on to tier five, then 31 through 40. We're going to start with Bryce Miller, followed by Mitch Keller. Sonny Gray, Shane Bieber falls eight to 34. Hunter Green jumps up seven to 35, followed by Bobby Miller, who jumps up 17 to 36. Then Taj Bradley, Jesus Lazardo, Tanner Bybee, and Yuri Perez wrapping up the tier at number 40. What's it called, and why is it called that? This is called the, the guest workout trainer 
So you know that day that they come and yeah. got the mic yep. and they're yep. like way younger than everyone else. <laughs> totally. And you don't know how this is going to go. You know, for some people, they're like, this is the life I want. This is great. I, I'm so excited. Every single Thursday at 10 a.m. I get to do this while others are like, nah, man, this is I, I'm moving left to right in like 30 <laughs> seconds. I can't do it five times in 30 seconds. Okay, good. Let's start with with uh, Bobby Miller, who rises, like we said, I believe it was 17, uh, at number 36 right now. So we've seen two starts from him now uh, against Atlanta and against Washington. Hasn't necessarily been racking up the Ks overall, but very good starts. Five innings, one earned run, one walk, five Ks. Quality start against uh, Washington, six innings pitched, one earned run, one walk, and four Ks. Also haven't necessarily seen a heck of a lot of whiffs. You had a fantastic breakdown on Bobby Miller after his debut against Atlanta. What did you see in that start against Washington, and are you starting him this weekend, this Sunday, against the Yankees? I'm going for it, baby. I think that Bobby Miller is phenomenal. I think you see a kitchen sink guy with potential for more. Uh, the fact, you know, watch that breakdown. I, I don't know if you did fast. I did about 27 minutes watching all uh, all of his pitches from his MLB debut. And my very favorite pitch was actually in the first inning. The first inning, I think it was like the second or third batter. Yeah. He threw an 89 mile per hour changeup down and away to get a ground out. And that kind of command is not really seen often in these electric uh, overpowering pitchers, right? They're more like, hey, throw the ball. But Bobby Miller sequences. He puts things mm. where he wants to. Um, his fastballs are not the Bryce Miller kind, right? The Mason Miller sure. kind that are just going to chuck it in the zone and good luck, right? And that's because I think the four-seamer gets too much horizontal ride. And that's just something I talk about a lot with, say, Luis Ortiz and Dustin May with those sinkers. Mm -hmm. Like the reason they don't go whip, get whiffs is because they're going into the bat or into or toward the end of the bat and getting those foul balls that we contact, but not whiffs that we want to see. And Bobby Miller, I think, is going to struggle a little bit with that. However, his placement of those fastballs was really good. The changeup, as I mentioned, I really liked. And the slider grades out super well, better than the 10% swing striker that we currently see. I imagine it's 17% O swing is going to get better as he throws more believable sliders. He threw a lot of wasted ones. Hmm. So over time, we're going to see Bobby Miller, I think, have more strikeouts than we've seen thus far, which is just a 21% strike rate. I think he's more like a 25, 26. And I think he's not going to come with a high walk rate as we normally see with young pitchers. I think also the Dodgers situation is great. They're going to let Bobby Miller go. I, I, there, yeah. there was a lot of conversation about Bobby Miller's injury early on. They slowed him down spring training. They have a plan for him. They don't want to push him too hard. He got delayed which means that in season, he has a longer runway. As of right now, Bobby Miller should be going for for at least another 100 innings, if not like 120 or something like that. And I love this. I really think that Bobby Miller is a is more of a complete pitcher than I expected him to be. I think if he's in any way rosterable on your waiver wire right now, you have to go and get him. Okay, love that. Anyone? There's a lot of these names we've discussed in the past, and there's some names in the next tier we haven't discussed as much. Are there any in this tier that you want to hit on before we move on to the next one? People want uh, me to raise Mitch Keller a little bit. He didn't. He got knocked up a little bit. Maybe that was actually you know our theories about uh, oh, don't look, make that face. That that <laughs> phrase exists outside of that one context. Okay, does it? Knock, oh, Maybe he's knocked around a little bit. I think that's that one. I think that's that. I think it's that. <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> um, 
my apologies, everyone. Uh, Mitch Keller got yeah got swatted around with his uh, with his pitches. My theory about the whole hog contact thing with cutters and sinkers and four seamers, maybe it isn't totally right, but at the same time, I'm like, ah, whatever. One day I'll give it to him. Um, Bryce Miller got destroyed by the, the Yankees yesterday. We all saw mm-hmm. this. Um, it was kind of interesting. Our conversations about middle, middle fastballs. Um, some of them turned out well. One of them didn't. But then against Aaron Judge, I can't really like judge that. Uh, no pun intended, but like, mm. you know. Um, I mean, even if you throw a really good high fastball, like guys are still going to hit that, those out sometimes. So like, I'm not going to uh, our our discussion about what a Bryce Miller down the middle fastball means is still very much in play. Yeah. Um, but I but Bryce Miller, I think, is still very, very good. We did see what happens when he's not able to get his outs with his totally. four seamer. This was the biggest worry. That said, he's at 31. I still think Bryce Miller's four seamer is absolutely elite. Uh, this is one of the better fastballs we've seen all year. And to say that you are not allowed to have a bad game while at 31 and you're a younger pitcher is incorrect. Everyone yeah. has these bad games. I believe that Bryce Miller, like many others, does improve as the season goes on. I think being with the Mariners is going to help him develop those secondaries as I lost faith in it. But then I've seen Logan Gilbert do well with a uh, George Kirby has come into his own a little bit. Uh, Luis Castillo with that slider has gotten better with it. So there is hope there, and I think that you're going to see a more complete picture by the end. I would like to see development with those those secondaries because, yeah, I don't want them to be so hyper-reliant. We knew that like 80% fastball wasn't going to happen, but like there, those games were still going to happen because he's going to be so good when I was fastball and just like, yeah, why would I do anything else? And but, Yep. Yeah. That's I'm cool. With you. Let's move to tier six, 41 through 48. Marcus Stroman jumps up eight to 41, followed by Dylan Cease. Merrill Kelly jumps up 11 to 43. John Gray, Bailey Ober, Zach Eflin at 46, followed by Tyler Walls, who jumps into the top 50, jumping up 24 to 47. And Lucas Giolito at 48. What's it called and why is it called that? This one is called board game night because it might be kind of slow. You know, it might be kind of a little bit boring. You know, people are like trying to figure out the games and everything. You know, but they're all coming together and like, you know what? Board game night's kind of fun. I absolutely love this tier because it's filled with dudes who if I said that this is what your ranking would be um, to you in, in like March, you'd be like, what happened? How is Marcus Stroman ahead of Dylan Cease? How is Tyler Wells ahead of, of Nestor Cortez? Yeah, right? Like I, one. I, yeah, I love it. I love it. But let's start with Stroman. I mean. Listen, we knew that there was upside with Stroman. He's he's had some really dominant stretches, had a really good uh, a beginning of the year um, after, well, he had a little bit of blow up against uh, L.A., but he settled in every once in a while. We knew he could do some stuff, but are, are you kidding me? A complete game shutout against one of the best offenses in baseball, probably second best behind the Rangers with 1K, excuse me, one walk and 8Ks just kind of pounding the bottom of the zone with that sinker, picks up 20 whiffs overall. Like, what? Is that just like a tip your cap? This is magic, but it's not happening again? Or are you buying what happened? So one of the things that I cannot recommend enough is for everybody to join me when I do these streams uh, and create the list every single week. It's so fun for me. Because everyone in Twitch chat will talk about a certain player and I'll say, you know what, let's take a moment and I go to the pitchless player page and I show you how I break down a guy and why I have my reasoning as I do. I'm not saying that I'm totally correct. I'm just displaying how I go about it and why I want to do, you know, I want to rank these guys as I do. On surface level here, um, it is not easy for me to lean in on a guy that has the 114th best walk rate 
among all, all starting pitchers, 8.5%. His hard contact rate has been 29%. His swing strike rate is just 96%. Or 90, it's not percent, I'm sorry, 96th and 120th. That is the rank, not the percentile. However, it's a 259 ERA and a .99 whip. What is this? And yeah, it's not going to stick the way it does. Stroman's ground ball rate is over 60% right now, 62%. And the one thing that I could acknowledge that I am getting wrong here is the Cubs defense. So I want you to take a moment, look up the Cubs defense for me. Tell me how good that infield defense is, because should it justify a 226 BABIP? As you guys know, ground ball rates and fly ball rates, uh, ground balls increase BABIP and fly balls decrease them. If I see a 226 BABIP from a guy, I generally think that they are allowing a lot of fly balls, not grounders. If they're allowing grounders, they better have a very low hard contact rate or they must have the best infield defense in baseball. Now, Dansby Swanson maybe has improved that, but I didn't think that it is there. Where are we at fast? Second best in baseball. Second best in baseball. So maybe that is something for me to believe in, that Stroman has increased his ground ball rate from 53% to 62%, which is astonishing honestly mm. um you can think the sinker getting a 71 percent ground ball rate this year which is crazy good uh it's low location which is what you want for a sinker is up to 59 percent which is 89th percentile which is crazy actually to me because 60 percent let's just say sinker is being low shouldn't mm. that be like the standard <laughs> but it's not it isn't and it was just 48 percent last year so that's an over 10 point jump for Strowman's sinker getting down, which is why it has that increased ground ball rate. I mean, it's just little things like that that can make all the difference here. And when he's playing into that defense, there you go. So that does make some sense. I actually want to throw this to you now. It's a 79% left on base rate for Strowman, mm-hmm. which is above average, a 77th percentile. Do you think that we should be buying into that low BABIP, which is a 93rd percentile among all starting pitchers, because of that ground ball rate and because of that Cubs defense? Yeah, I do. I mean, Swanson's been a, a vacuum. He's He's been fantastic. Nico Horner has been fantastic. So when I think you have that shortstop second base um, uh, combo, it's it's it's... I wouldn't necessarily say it's going to sustain, but I don't think it would regress as significantly as we think it's going to regress. Um, not for nothing, too. Marcus Stroman leads the league in quality starts this year, which is pretty incredible. He has 10 quality starts, which is the only person double-digit quality starts right now. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. 12 nice. starts uh, for Marcus Stroman. That's a wonderful percent of 10 over 12, which is 5 over 6, which is, what, 87, 83% quality start rate? That's pretty good. I yeah I I mean I want to buy that I also kind of feel like all right it's gonna fall down to some degree I if I'm gonna say that the entire year he's gonna have that low location I don't know Uh, is he gonna maintain that 71% sinker uh, ground ball rate probably not but the as Savant calls it a slurve we call it a curve which used to be his slider has been great this year 39% CSW for Stroman's uh, breaking ball right and that was last year 34% mark. So that addition as well, which shocking, I know, but it's a 70% low location. What do you know? More grounders at a 50% rate on that pitch. So those are really the two things. Just sinker, curveball. I mean, sure, there's some cutters in here. There's some four-seamers, some splitters and all this stuff. No, it's mm. about the sinker and the curveball for Strowman. You love to see it. Um, you know, honestly, with you telling me about the Cubs defense there that I should have looked up before, I probably would put him 
to 33 um, behind Mitch Keller because that is a more believable thing. A ground ball guy yeah. with the best infield, second best infield defense, that yeah. is more sustainable in my view. You're not going to get the strikeouts though, 22% K rate, and he's not going to go complete game shutout all the time. So uh, he's never gone 160 strikeouts in a season, right? Um, so that's still going to be a thing. Uh, he is at 62 over 72 innings at the moment, um, over 12 games. That does kind of go to about 160, 170 uh, for the full year. Um, quick maths there with like over 36 starts. That's about 180. All right. So he's not going to have 36 starts, of course. Um, yeah. So I like Marcus Stroman. I might be a little bit low on him. I've, I struggled ranking him because I didn't know how much regression we're going to see. Okay. The, uh, we, uh, there's two other people I want to talk about in this tier. We have to talk about Merrill Kelly, who jumps yeah, nearly right. into the top 40. He's at 43 at 11. You know, there's a lot of things that pop out, but really, I think unarguably, the most significant has been the swinging strike rate, right? This is a guy who was never really known for getting a lot of swings and misses. And while he doesn't necessarily have an elite swinging strike rate at about 13% right now, that's a lot better than what we've seen from Merrill Kelly. A lot of these strides that he has made in terms of getting some additional swings and misses has come with this changeup, right? Uh, the changeup, what did it go? Went from a 16% swing strike rate to about a 20% swing yeah. strike rate. He he doesn't really seem to have changed too much of the shape overall. He added a little bit um, uh, more drop to the pitch, but he's just done a fantastic job uh, of keeping it low in the zone. His low location is at 87%, which is 96% percentile in baseball. He's bringing it arm side a little bit more uh, at about 60%, which is a career high for him too if you're looking at his overall plot with his changeups he's just not missing right he's not missing with the changeup he's had like one middle middle changeup this year and everything else has just been down at the knees of righties down at the knees of righties mm. do you think that this is something that merrill kelly will be able to sustain over the course of the full year so i'm just gonna ask fast you went to the outs above average leaderboard correct for the uh, infield was- defense Yes, I did. I guess who's number three? Who's number three? Uh, oh God, I remember that the yes. Padres were number one. I just, I'm leading into three? this. Who do you think number three is? Arizona. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Whew. Passed it. Passed it with flying colors. Uh, I should have just said no. No, that's the Giants. Um, the Giants are right behind it. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that might be a part of it. And it was a huge deal for America last year. That's why he had his 269 Babbitt and a 337 ERA. We were talking about that a lot last year saying, Oh man, I didn't realize how good the Arizona defense was. It's still really good. So again, I might be underrating Merrill Kelly. I realized like, look, the guy is a 27% K rate right now. He just had 10 strikeouts. Uh, as you mentioned, the changeup is as good as it's been. I don't generally believe that any of his stuff is actually this elite. I really don't. But, I mean, the changeup's not going to have a 129 batting average allowed. Okay, even last year when that was a good year, it was a 239, right? Like, that's not going to happen. He's not going to not allow a single home run on the changeup. I mean, come on. But this is just going so well. And um, at this point in the year, the reason I don't really say that we don't go after Tobies or whatever is at some point we figure out who the guys, the stable guys kind of are. Um, and Merrill Kelly, I mean, he's become more than a Toby. I mean, 27% K rate. No one would have told you you were going to do that. He's doing that now. I need to give him props where it's due. All right. Uh, There's one more person we have to talk about in this tier because he talked to us this morning and we're going to do it as soon as we get back from this break. Oh, my God. Fast. You talked to Bailey Ober? 
that's funny. Um, there's so many song jokes that I wanted to make, but I didn't want to sing. Um, before I break down why I dig Tyler Wells and some of the things that he said today that I thought were really interesting, let me hear your reasoning. He jumps up 24 into the top 50. What is it about Tyler Wells that has you kind of believing that this might not be all smoke and mirrors? I mean, the last four starts have each come with at least seven strikeouts. The four-seamer is returning a 14.5% swing strike rate. That used to be the biggest negative for me was the high hard contact rate, but he's using it well. He's really elevating it super effectively. And the Woba's 254. So yeah, he allows some damage because it is a little higher up, but overall it's 89th percentile in Woba and 89th percentile in the batting average allowed. And then he has a changeup that he gets strikes with and the cutter gets strikes with. Like, wait, this works. This yeah. works so much more than I thought it was. And what's really funny is I remember sitting one of the, one of the I think one of the coolest achievements I've ever had is to do a panel about pitch modeling with Enosaurus mm-hmm. at, at Florida. That was like, this past year. why am I here? This is the most imposter syndrome I've ever felt. And I one thing that I think on his model two that was on PLV, we were comparing like the two. And everyone, I think, by this point knows a PLV. Is very different from stuff plus. They look at different things. The in, yep. the entire goal of it is I uh, have you guys have seen the hitting rolling charts? Like we create that because of PLV and it helps so so much. And that's really the true intention of it. Yet Tyler Wells was a PLV darling. Mm. And I remember hmm. so distinctly hmm. inside of this presentation being like, everyone's like, oh, it's Tyler Wells, Tyler Wells, Tyler Wells. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't really endorse that. But maybe, and like, is he even going to be in the rotation? And here we are, fast. 63 yes. innings later, 28th most in the majors, by the way. Mm-hmm. Tyler Wells is a 329 ERA, a .83 whip. That's fifth best among all starting pitchers. 25% K rate and a 5% walk rate. What is, what is going on? And, you know, I'm excited for everyone to listen to that Tyler Wells podcast if you haven't already. Uh, but for those that haven't, give us a little taste of what you guys talked about. Well, there's a few things. One, it, it cracks me up that like we talk to these guys, you don't want to waste their time, you know, and sometimes oh, yeah. you just don't know what you're going to get into. Some guys are like, yeah, you know, I'll answer a few of your questions, but that's it. And some guys are like, hey, man, you asked me a question. I'll talk to you about it wherever. There was a moment where I had just asked one question and we were 14 minutes into the interview where I was <laughs> like, are we going to keep like Tyler, can we do a part two? And he was like, for sure. One of the things he did talk about was that four seamer, right? So it's really fascinating about that four seamer. Do you know how tall Tyler Wells is? Uh, six foot five. He's six, eight. <laughs> He's oh six. Yeah. So he actually has the second highest release point in baseball among starters. It literally goes Justin Verlander and then Tyler Wells. And if you want to include relievers, it actually goes Verlander, Felix Bautista, Tyler Wells. He gets some of the best in, uh, induced vertical break or carry or rise on his four seamer. I mean, it's like literally right there with Spencer Strider, um, but it's not Spencer Strider's four seamer. It is absolutely not that. What it is sort of like is Joe Ryan's four seamer, which kind of is funny considering we interviewed them back to back what i mean by that is he doesn't have elite velocity but because of how well he's able to elevate and how much carry he gets with that four seamer he's able to have success with it at the top of the zone now usually guys with the lower arm angles are able to elevate a little bit more consistently at the top of the zone wells doesn't have that right like i said second highest release point in all of baseball his also vertical approach angle is super steep on that pitch. It's kind of a unicorn four-seamer, which makes it really, really exciting. So he talked a little about that, the development of the pitch. He is a feel guy. 
He is not anti-analytics. He didn't give me that impression at all, but he started from feel. He talked about this really interesting exercise that he did that's called like the pocket hip stitch or something like that, um, where he essentially said, imagine putting your hand in the pocket of a hoodie. Like that's where you're starting your delivery from and then bringing out your hand from that hoodie to get your scap retracted. And it was really fascinating. The other thing he said that which blew me away is I was like, hey, you know, I did a bunch of deep dives into the cutter and I was like, the cutter is totally different than it was last year. Last year, it was like a cutter slider hybrid. Sometimes it was a cutter. Sometimes it was a slider. This year, it's much more prototypical cutter. It's got a different shape. You know, talk about the development of that pitch, like what what went into it. And he was like, um, I uh, uh, started, you know, <laughs> playing with the grip. And then yeah. in the second to last spring training start, I threw it. And it was like, so nothing went into it. He was like, yep, I just felt good about the grip. And then I started throwing it. So that was oh insane gosh. to me. Yeah. Um, and you can see his evolution with the cutter because there are days where he doesn't have it. He missed with the cutter to Aaron Judge and he got punished for it in that Yankee start. But there are days where the cutter is really, really nice. Um, so it was it was refreshing to hear there's plenty of good stuff to 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 take away from from that talk. So I would go check it out. But it was unique to hear a guy who starts with feel. Uh, and then goes to analytics from there, which I think is a good way to break it down. Oh, man, that's awesome stuff. Uh, and give a listen to that full one. You, you called it part one fast. He did. Does that mean so, part two? Part yeah, three? part two. Hopefully in the next week part or so. Four. Hey, we, We're we, going to go to <laughs> Iowa. We're going to go to Michigan. Yeah! <laughs> uh, all right, we got to go to a tier. We are. We are. Yeah, we are might go a little bit long on this. Yep. All right, we're, we're going to get into our super tier mode here. We're going to go to tier 7, 49 through 58. Nestor Cortez falls 17 to 49, followed by Charlie Morton, Lance Lynn, and James Paxton, who all fall. Low, uh, number 53 is Logan Allen, who jumps up nine, followed by Tony Gonsolin, Louis Varland at 55, Justin Steele at 56, Reed Detmers at 57, and Michael Soroka debuts at number 58. What's it called and why is it called that? This one, Fast, I... <sighs> This is lunch. This is just lunch. This is just when everybody's there. It's a weird song being played in the background. It's some tune that you don't know, but some would be like, oh, that's, uh, you know, and you can hear the plop onto the plates. But sometimes you look at it and you go, you know what? This is some nice, some nice calm in the day. Mm. While it could be really good. It could be like the best lunch you've ever had. It could also be like really, really, really bad. Mm. I I dig that. How I mean, I, I think I already know the answer to this question, so I'm not going to ask it. But Logan Allen is kind of the guy that I want to hit on uh, for this tier because, man, did he look really, really good in that start against the Orioles yesterday. I mean, they did not know what to do with any of his pitches. He gets seven slider whiffs. He ends up with 19 on the day. Um, you know, sure, the Orioles offense, it's it, it's been slumping a little bit, but I, I really don't even want to say that because I don't want to detract from just how well he picked apart that team. Was that, the you know, how much did that one start influence this uh, plus nine for Logan Allen? Yeah, yeah, Logan Allen. I did a video on it today, talking about the command. You saw it. You were, mm. you know, you were watching the Orioles. Mm. His command was great, and yeah. it's something again that I don't really see too often from young pitchers is actually sequencing and utilizing what you can do. And there were some at bats that I was just really, really impressed by Logan Allen. Uh, his fastball isn't necessarily the most elite pitch, but he wields it well. 
the cutter coming inside a right-hander just as well. And the biggest, the biggest change, I mean, yes, the slider was still there earning strikes, but the changeup was filthy. He really leaned on that against right-handers. It's not really a pitch that we see him to, to excel for the most part. And it did in this one, I believe it was a 47% uh, CSW, if I'm remembering correctly. If that is the real Logan Allen, that's great. The biggest mm. question, especially when it comes to command, is, is this consistent? We saw Tanner Houck last week have one of the best games I've ever seen Tanner Houck have. Everything was in the right place. He was dismantling the Angels left and right. And then I saw him over the weekend. I was like, oh, this is not really anything close to that anymore. And command can be fleeting, which is why Stuff Plus is as popular as it is, because it is stickier. That is generally going to be the same thing, more start to start, as opposed to command, which is more of a feel thing. I want to believe that Logan Allen has a better foundation when it comes to his command, considering that his his stuff is not elite, and this is why he's a major leaguer at the moment. And if Logan Allen can incorporate that change of really understand that feel, there is something to like here a lot, but he's inside of this tier because it's just, all right, this could be some good lunch, and that's it, but it could also be something that you want to throw out and go to Dunkin' Donuts. Real quick before we move on, what did you see from Michael Soroka in his debut season? I think he's going to be a stable Toby through the year for a winning ball club, which elevates him from a normal Toby. Uh, this is the Braves, which is a good p- team to pitch for. And Soroka had good fastball command, which is what we used to know. And he had a really nice changeup. The slider can be better. But considering, yeah, it's it's Atlanta. He's going to be able to go six plus innings. I feel like Soroka is just like, yeah, you pick him up and you never drop him. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to tier eight here. 59 through 63. Drew Smiley. Garrett Whitlock appears at number 60, followed by Bryce Elder, JP France and Braxton Garrett. What's it called? And why is it called that? Oh, man, this is you're going to. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> This is this is the whispers. Um, And <laughs> it. What? Yeah, I know. Ooh. Well, it's this is where the cliff is. That I mean, by that is like these are this is the point where the good times are over and the hmm. bad parts might happen. And, you know, in the senior center, very sad to say, I, you know, things happen in in the senior center and you might need to move on from people. And I, you know, and this is that moment. Okay, fair enough. Let's start with the positive now that you're bringing death into the equation. And we'll start with (laughs) Garrett Whitlock, um, who I was just really, really excited about at the beginning of the year. Then obviously kind of got derailed with some injury stuff, but he's back, has that start against Arizona with, you know, five innings, not the most efficient, 92 pitches, but no walks, four Ks, just one and run on three hits. Nice. I think, I think he looked relatively crisp aside from a few sinkers, which he just kind of dotted middle, middle, but he was pretty good at picking up swing, uh, excuse me, called strikes on the pitch. Got a few changeups as well to, to pick up some whiffs overall on the velo. Didn't really look too scary. What are you seeing from Garrett Whitlock and what are you expecting to see from him moving forward? I think that Garrett Whitlock has a really great sinker. Um, and I think it, the whole package is really nice. I just want to see more of him. You know, I just I just want to see like, you know, a little photo of him. Like, oh, hey, there's more Garrett Whitlock in my life. That's great. <laughs> no, um, I think the sinker isn't necessarily going to be that 13% swing striker we saw last year for Whitlock. It wasn't really that in uh, the, the four games we've seen thus far. But the changeup and slider, I think, are good strike pitches. I think the slider has a ton of potential. Already 24% swing strike rate uh, this year. Uh, it, it's it's a wonderful little arrangement uh, of pitches that Whitlock has. And now that he actually is in the rotation, he's healthy, he's good to go, I think now's the time to get in. Okay, love it. Anyone else in this tier that you want to hit upon? Uh, Bryce Elder is a Vargas rule. I don't think that's going to last. While Drew Smiley had a stumble, but I think his command was actually really good in that start, and we'll continue on. 
All right, let's move on to the next tier then. This is tier nine, 64 through 76. Edward Cabrera, Blake Snell, Michael Kopech, uh, Jose Barrios jumps up 25 to 67. Brian Bello at 68. No. Ah, it's a Bayo um, Clinic. Yeah, I'm never going to remember it. Uh, no, no, Kobe Bayo Clinic. Oh, that might actually help me. Yeah. Kobe. <laughs> Brian Bayo. That yes, that's really it. Help. That might be it. That might be the one that clicks. We Andrew got it. Heaney drops. <laughs> we got him. Uh, Andrew Heaney jumps nine to sixty-nine. Mackenzie Gore up nineteen to seventy, followed by Alex Cobb, Jack Flaherty, Domingo Herman at seventy-three. Johan Oviedo, Jared Schuster returns uh, at seventy-five, and JP Sears dropped twenty to seventy-six. What's it called, and why is it called that? This is called the pair of sneakers. This is the moment inside the senior center where someone is also wearing like a really nice pair of sneakers. And it's just all the eyes are, are there like, oh, man, Janet, Janet's got some sneakers today, you know, and it's like, are they actually good sneakers? Does she feel really good about it? Are there going to be repercussions for having these sneakers? We don't know. <laughs> We don't know. Okay. Great. Um, real quick, Jose Barrios, you know, last five starts uh, has been doing quite well with a 2.3 uh, ERA, excuse me, um, 22% K rate, 10% walk rate with a 450 FIP. This is just smoke and mirrors for you or maybe a little bit sustainable? Totally didn't get the name. Am I, am I, Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios. I was hoping you were to say it one more time because I had an email coming because everyone's buying the shirt. Um Told you. I did it. I did it. It's great. It's wonderful. Uh, Jose Brios, three. Yeah, I got it. I got it. And what's crazy about Jose Brios is that he decided to not throw his four seamer as much, and he's gone sinker heavy. And that sinker has a sub nineteen percent hard contact rate this year. Mm. Like that's insane. Sixty percent strike rate. Low hard contact rate, 232 average allowed. And what he's done is he's focused more on sinkers and that curveball and then elevated the four-seamer. I mean, it's it's actually working. Barrios has been kind of killing it fast. Uh, outside of his first start of the year, literally just the first one is the only one I need to get rid of here. Barrios right now has a 302 ERA to 119 whip and a 23% K rate. Mm. That's crazy. That's over about that six innings. Nuts. Ten games. I mean, sure, there is that five earned run game. Uh, that's actually including, I'm sorry, that's including the first one. If I even get rid of that, uh, I apologize. 259 ERA, 115 whip, 55 innings. Last one he's had. Like, this is Jose Barrios we're talking about here. Now, not really going to be that big strikeout guy, right? 22% K rate in that way. But he does pitch for the for the Jays. And in that time, he's 5-2. and two, and he's going reasonably deep into these games. Like, this is a new Barrios. We should be considering this um, as a more legitimate legitimate thing with this sinker change. Give us your quick thoughts on Mackenzie Gore, who jumps up 19. I know. Isn't it fun? Uh, he he has a 29%, sorry, a 30% strikeout, which is 13th best in the majors, if you can believe it. I mean, sure, that's inflated by the 11 strikeouts he had against the Royals, but the slider returned 11 over 29 whiffs in that start. Now, I do want to mention that against the Padres, he didn't do well. He didn't do well against the Marlins, four and runs and five point one innings. We've seen volatility from Gore thus far. But if that slider is that legitimate number two pitch for him, it changes everything. The fastball is missing bats at 11% rate, which is good. 66% strike rate. You love to see that. The curveball has a 21% swing strike rate and the slider has a 20% swing strike rate. Like it's all there. 
Mm-hmm. He just needs to be consistent and in inside each start have everything working. It can't just be one thing in this time, one thing that time. So I'm not quite buying into it, but I want us to recognize like, hey, Mackenzie Gore, they might be doing something that is legitimate moving forward. Baseball is such a funny sport, and I don't want to spoil too much, but I just got to, uh, and I don't want to, you know, jump to the end here, but um, Logan Gilbert not having the greatest start against the Yankees tonight, uh, and that got me thinking about some of the guys who were starting tonight, and on a night where Shane McClanahan, Joe Ryan, um, Sandy Alcantara, and Zach Gallen were all pitching, um, and some of them are still pitching, but do you know who led <laughs> today in strikeouts with 10 who who fast miles michaelis of course he did of course he did love that i love that anyone else in this tier that you want to mention before we move on to the next one uh jerry schuster's kind of cool with a slider being down the last two starts that's nice uh hopefully aviedo has a fastball command jack flaherty i don't know if i believe he didn't do well against the i mean he survived against the guardians but like worst fastball six total whiffs like what are we gonna get from him i don't know Michael Kopeck, the command is too bad for me to trust. And Edward Cabrera, I really hope the fastball becomes a strike pitch because he has a good change in curveball. It's just about having a strike pitch with his fastball. And it's been like a 50% strike rate this year. So that's the last missing piece for him. Let's go to tier 10, 77 through 85. Michael Waka, Tony Disco is at 78, followed by Jordan Montgomery, falls 24 to 79. Josiah Gray, Martin Perez, who probably will be off the list next week after another poor outing today. Patrick Sandoval, Michael Lorenzen, Miles Michaelis, there he is, the 10K boy, and Dane Dunning at number 85. What's it called and why is it called that? This is the random movie that's on in the background. You don't know what it is. No one knows what it is, but they're all watching it and they can't even hear it. They don't even know what's going on, but they're all watching it. Jordan Montgomery with the largest fall here down to 79. What did you see recently that you had? He's thinking, you know what? I might be a little bit out on Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, the the whip is just so bad fast. It, it's just getting frustrating every single start. He couldn't take down the Guardians. It's 144 for Jordan Montgomery. I feel like, by the way, I feel like we've seen more elevated whips by essentially June 1st than I've seen normally, like way higher hit rates than we should be seeing. I, maybe just like me being silly after two months of the year, but it does feel like I mean, it's probably the, the I don't know what the universal BABIP has, if it's gone up or not. I think it's still around 300. Um, that's what our, our average is, which seems about right. The average hit for nine is 9.1. And for Jordan Montgomery, it's 10.4. Hmm. So I don't know. It's strange. The average whip is 138 this year among the top 200 starters and batters faced. That seems so, so bad. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm. What do I know fast? Anyway, Jordan Montgomery hopefully should get better once the changeup and curveball are doing good things. The curveball used to be this big swing strike rate pitch, 21.5% in 2021, 18% in 2022, 10.3% swing strike rate on Jordan Montgomery's curveball this year. That's mm-hmm. a problem. And yeah. the, the strike rate is up. The, the whiffs are not. It's getting a lot of called strikes, but it's not. he's not overpowering anyone. He's not really putting them away, and he's relying too much then on the sinker, which just is not a good pitch. I... It's fine, but it's it's not enough. So Jordan Montgomery to me is just someone I'd rather move on from. Tier 11, 86 through 89, tiny little baby tier. Kodai Senga, Luis Ortiz at 87. Brady Singer falls 18 to 88. And Graham Ashcraft at 89. What's it called and why is it called that? This one, oh man. Um, this is the the room. Like inside the service, the senior center, you're just like, this is not, you know, maybe we can spice this up a little bit. Maybe we can make this interesting. But yeah, it, it's not, it's, uh, yeah. 
I love it. Uh, I love it. Uh, Luis Ortiz appears at 87. Just uh, what, what is he doing to earn his spot on the list here? Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't have him on the list last week. And then I do now. I mean, I didn't last week. And they had this fantastic start uh, yep. where he just cruised. But the thing is, I watched it. And like the Rangers were just were making contact on the fastball. and was just finding gloves. Yeah, uh, that's just what it is. And they were swinging at it. It was whatever. For the full year, it's a 14.6% carry and 11.5% walk rate in 20.2 innings. But I mean, no, whatever, small sample size. But at the end of the day, what I see is Luis Ortiz throwing a fastball that doesn't miss bats and a slider that unfortunately hasn't been so overwhelming. I mean, it's a good slider, 32% CSW, 20% swing strike rate, 29% hard contact rate. When you think of like Dylan Cease being able to make this work, his hard contact on his slider was like 10%. Yeah, and not 29 percent 290 average allowed on that so i need to see more from that slider i need to see more from the fastballs honestly i don't really think that there are that elite pitches they have the velocity but the horizontal movement is just is making it not really a whiff pitch so he's not the master of command either i think this is just too volatile for a team that isn't going to get many wins and luis ortiz isn't really something that i'm going to chase Final tier here, or what is quickly becoming the Orioles tier, because there's always three starters from the Orioles in the final tier, which always cracks me up. Um, tier 12, 90 through 100. Kyle Gibson, Kyle Bradish, Cal Quantrill, Griffin Canning, Paul Blackburn, Mike Mayers, Tyler Anderson, Dean Kramer, Luis Medina, Ben Lively, and Hogan Harris. What's it called and why is it called that? This is called the medication line. Because let's be honest, at some point, everybody is going to go through this. <laughs> very well said uh you know ben lively obviously been extremely gifable in his debut last night some of those sinkers were just absolutely nasty but what is it about this new number 100 hogan harris end us on a strong note here nick hogan harris is a crafty lefty and he was open for and i watched him in response and honestly it was pretty cool uh it was it was some change-ups it was some fastballs it was some cutters and some curveballs he has a good pair of matchups up uh, this week, or Marlins, and then the Pirates the following week. That's a sneaky stream, and this there's a lot of sneak of them here. You have you have Medina who gets the the Marlins. You have uh, Mike Mayers who gets the Marlins as well. Anybody gets the Marlins? These three guys get the Marlins. Guess what? Paul Blackburn gets the Marlins. So they're all here <laughs> because they actually could provide value against them. Interesting ones to consider. Uh, when I know the wins aren't there, but someone's got to win that game. Miami versus Oakland, and hopefully it might be Oakland. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, we did it. Uh, if did you are listening now, you should go check out this new shirt that Pitcherless just came out with. That probably probably our best shirt. Um, very oh, yeah. proud. Uh, you should check it out. It's it's been linked. Uh, it's on the website. It has been linked inside of Nick's Twitter, retweeted by myself. Very excited to debut it. Also, listen to that talking pitching episode. Check in with Nick every morning with the streams. Check out the announcement later on this week. Any final parting thoughts, Nick? Um, yeah, check out that shirt. It's baseball with the all in eye and the pride colors because we want to make clear that we we don't want anyone in our community to feel unwelcome. And everyone is is here to celebrate this wonderful thing that we enjoy for baseball. And we don't want anyone to feel as if who they are is not welcome in our community. So we want to make sure that's clear. 100% of the proceeds are going to the human rights campaign. So uh, consider showing your support for it. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, go baseball. 
Well said. Go baseball. That is going to do it for episode number 396 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.